My name is Randy Goff. I'm one of the elders here at Doxa. If you remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Our text this morning is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. It'll be on the screen behind me, or you can follow along in your Bible or your app. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You may be seated. This is God's word. Um, I get the honor of uh, introducing our uh, preacher this morning to you. It's not me, so you can celebrate a little bit. Uh, I've been looking forward to this morning. Uh, Philip Miles and Lynn are here this morning. They were uh, Megan and my pastors, uh, man, a minute ago. And for a long time, uh, Philip has been in ministry for over 50 years. Can you imagine that? For over 50 years, he, pastor, he founded and pastored with Lynn and a, a team, a church in uh, Conway, and they pastored there for over 37 years, something like that. That's pretty cool. They finished well, obviously handed off to the next generation. Uh, he now heads up Evangel Fellowship International, which is an association of Churches and ministers, over 100 churches, 600 or so ministers, 37 missionaries on almost every continent. He travels a lot. There's lots of things you can say about him, but the most meaningful thing that I can tell you is he was my pastor in very, for a long time, in a very formative time, and a few years ago, he and I reconnected. He ministered to Megan and I when we were struggling in our marriage and with ministry and the, the particular strains that puts on a couple and that he and Lynn ministered to us and he and I have met pretty regularly over the past few years and he's been a, a friend and a mentor to me and so I hope you guys came hungry this morning. I believe that the Lord has something to say to us through Philip. So please welcome him. It's great to be here, and um, I, it's good to see Randy and Megan again. Uh, they, uh, I, want, I want to share three things before I start talking. That sound, that's the preacher terms. And um, th- three things, number one is congrats on the 10 years. That's, that's, just, that's just awesome, really. That's wonderful. Thank you. And the second thing is that... Uh, Randy and Megan are like the real deal. I knew them when they were teenagers. Um, God's hand's always been on them. Uh, they never felt the need to dabble in the world or, or whatever, take, you know, get a taste of what was on the other side. Their, their heart has always been, I'm just telling you, uh, their, their heart has always been for God. And so what that means for you guys is that... Um, there's, there's real integrity there. Uh, a lot of times, you know, people's gifts can take them further than their integrity can sustain them. Well, y'all don't have to worry about that because with uh, Randy and Megan, y'all can go a long ways, okay? Uh, because they're solid and, and they're, what you see is genuinely what you get. And so I, I love them and respect them so much for that. And then the third thing is that you're meeting in a gym 
it's hard. The, the you know, set up, break down, and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to, I just want to say this to you, because I've been through the storefront. You know, we started in a storefront that had mold and mildew. Actually, I didn't know termites could build tunnels up a brick wall, but I found that out. They can. And so, um, but I will say this. Don't, um, don't blow by these moments like wanting, you know, waiting for the time you'll have your permanent place and your building and it's all going to be good. No more set up, tear down, it, and, and, all, and all, it's going to be comfortable. Acoustics will be great and all that kind of stuff. This right now, I promise you, in the life of your church will be your precious memories. It'll be your fondest memories. And so as you're going through this process of, you know, maybe gaining some sense of permanence or whatever as far as location, really appreciate every day that you're here because God is doing something wonderful and, and special and he's working in your life, and when you're ready for that next step, I promise you, nothing can stop that from happening, okay? That's going to happen in God's time and in his power. You can be assured of that. So in the meantime, rejoice and, and enjoy this season of your life because it is powerful and it is precious. All right, that's sermon number one. I really believe God has given me something to help you and uh, help you as a people, help you as a church. And, um, and I think, you know, the ongoing challenge that all of us face in, in our walk with the Lord is how we, uh, how we deal with the difficulties in life. You know, how we apply our faith when things are not going the way we hope, the way we have prayed for, you know, the way we expect. They're not going as good as our neighbors who never go to church. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's just like, you know, it's a challenge a lot of times for us when we go through these difficult things. So it's so important for us to main, maintain the right perspective on God and, and where we are and how God is moving and how God is working. Because if you, if you get the wrong perspective, you're going to trip up. You know, the enemy's going to be able to uh, manipulate you, and he's going to be able to lie to you, and he's going to get you off the path that God has intended for your life. And so I want to give you three things that I feel like will help in this process, three things that have helped me that we need to be anchored in. It will, in this whole thing, uh, I, want, I want you to do your best to embrace these, accept them, digest them, retain them, and I can't think of any other word. And so uh, these are just important. Number one, it's really important. You have to accept that God has planned good things for our life. You'd say, well, I wish he'd hurry up. Uh, or maybe some of you are thinking he has a funny way of showing it. Uh, and so I, I understand that it can be challenging, but the fact remains when God created us, he didn't create us for misery and failure. That's just not the way God is. That, that's not who he is. That's not, you know what I'm saying? That's just not God. When God created us, before you ever said your first word, God had an incredible, wonderful plan laid out for you to be able to fulfill. And he started working with you towards that from the day you were born. 
Now, that's the truth. You can, you know, you may question that. It doesn't really matter. It's still true. Uh, Ephesians 2 says this, and, and Randy just read it. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for it. It's verse 8. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things. Say with me, good things. He created us so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Don't you love the Bible? Long ago, he created all these good things for us to do. Now, let me just say, first of all, these good things that God has planned has nothing to do with your goodness or my goodness. Isn't that good? He planned, the, like I said, before you even could say dada, he had good plans established. So you haven't done anything, but he still has it planned. So God's goodness, and I really am, I'm pushed back another sermon, so I'm being disciplined today. But there's so much I want to say about that. But um, it doesn't have to do with our goodness, because we're not good, okay? God is good, but we're not. And so God has these wonderful, incredible plans that he has designed for us because he chose to do that, because he loves us, because that's just how he works. And so, um, in, the, in Jeremiah 29, 11, you know that verse, right, everybody? A lot of you, if you've been around church a lot, let me read it to you again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Their plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that a great verse? We've all claimed it and all that. Do you know who that was spoken to? That was spoken to Israel after they had been led into captivity in Babylon. They had just lost everything they had ever had, known, whatever, lost it all, and been transplanted by a heathen nation into a foreign land. Okay, it'd be like China coming over here, taking over and sending us to some place in China. And we're sitting there, don't know the language, anything like that. And anyway, God has this word for us. I know the plans I have for you. <laughs> they're, they're plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. That's different, isn't it? But it goes to show us that God's plan and what he's doing has nothing to do with our circumstances or what we are experiencing. It doesn't change. That's why you have to believe and agree with me that God has good things planned for you regardless of what your experience is or has been. It's just the way it is. It's just how God is. And God did have good things for them when they finally repented and stopped rebelling like they were rebelling, yeah, he, he still had good things for Israel. Now, when 
When I was uh, in 2008, um, I had a bad experience. I, I was arrested in Russia. I spent five months in a, a Russian prison. It was hard. I didn't expect it. Um, I wasn't prepared for it. And, um, and so, uh, having you know, when you get to something like that, uh, it, you really, uh, the, the one somebody said, adversity has a way of introducing a man to himself. Did you know that's true? When you go through something like that, you get to see what's really inside, what you're made of, what you actually believe. You know? We say we believe a lot of things, don't we? But when you get into, when your back is against the wall and there's absolutely no way out, there's nothing anybody can do for you, all the armies of America combined couldn't do one thing for me. When you get there, then you know kind of, you get in touch with kind of who you really are and what you really believe. And so I remember going through that process of acclimation and, you know, getting, you know, my head around everything that was happening to me. And, uh, and I remember the first thing that I felt Im impressed in my mind was the Lord speaking, saying, do you really think they could keep you here in this, behind these bars if I wanted you out? And I had to think about that for a moment because those bars were pretty solid. And so I'm thinking, well, I probably—I don't know. I think if, if you wanted me out, you could get me out. Okay. And so that's kind of where we had to start. But then God gave me a, ver a verse that has helped me and, and uh, it has a lot to do with kind of what I'm talking about. Psalm 73. If you want some devotional time with family, you can read Psalm 73 because it's a phenomenal psalm. Uh, David t t deals with questions like, why do bad people have it so good? Have you ever wondered about that? Anyway, he addresses things like that earlier in the chapter. But then here he goes, uh, and I, I, I'll just read this verse. He, he, he says, as for me, the near, this is, I think, New American Standard. As for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all of your works. That's Psalm 73, 28. David says, as for me, the nearness of God is my good. He doesn't say the blessing of God is my good. He doesn't say the protection of God, the comfort of God. He says, no, the nearness, as long as God is near, and this is what I found out, as, as long as God is near, it really doesn't matter what is happening. It doesn't. As long as God is near, let me just say, it's not just sufficient, it's actually more than enough. As long as God is near, actually, it doesn't matter what's going on, you can have joy. I, I found that out. You can actually have joy and excitement in God as long as he is near. So, that's point number one. You've got to believe God wants to do a good thing. Number two, God has to prepare us for the good things. Some of you are saying, I knew there was a catch, but no, it's not like that. This is like the plan, okay? It's not a catch. God, God has to prepare us for good things. Um, Unfortunately, we're not born ready to receive all those, remember those great things that God's ordained, you know, before we could even talk. That's right, but we're not ready for them yet. 
How many of you know if you gave a six-year-old $100 to go in the grocery store and said, would you buy groceries for the week, what they would come out with? Well, I hope you like M&Ms because that's what you'd be eating all week long. You know what I'm saying? And so God loves us and he wants to bless us, but a lot of times we're just not, we're not ready for that. He loves us, he loves us too much to, to give us things before we're ready for that. And so he wants us to be able to steward those blessings. I thought I could drive. I wanted to drive when I was 12 years old. I thought I was good. Uh, I finally at 16 could, and it took me, didn't take me long to dent both fenders on the car. I dented one fender in the driveway, late for church. I jumped in, I had a little Triumph TR3. I jumped in there, slammed it in reverse, and smashed right into my dad's car, which was only that far behind me, y'all. I thought I was ready to drive. <laughs> I was dangerous. And so anyway, so God, because he loves us, you see, he worked in us. He's preparing. Not necessarily fun. I mean, it's not fun to set up and break down, but I can promise you it's part of the preparation for great things, y'all, for great things. In Psalms 105, in verse 16 through 19, it says, when, when God summoned a famine on Egypt and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron. Until what God had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. I mean, he had a dream, right? He was, I mean, he was destined for great things. But you, you can say, though, that until the word came to pass, the Lord actually shaped shaped him shaped him can you imagine what this kid would have done if he had been made the leader of Egypt when he was still so young and immature it would have been it would have been a horrible disaster but God shaped him and when he was ready he blessed him and helped him enter in to all that he had for him God designed the trials that he went through for years, by the way, for a purpose to save many, many people. And that same thing he does today. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, this used to irk me when I'd read it, but here it goes. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Well, First of all, it says in everything, not for everything. That helps a little bit. But still, I mean, you know, really. Uh, how can he say that? Because the thing that we're to give thanks for that's maybe not so great is happening to prepare you. And because that thing is happening to prepare you, you can be grateful to God for it because it's important. So in everything, you can give thanks because in everything, God is working in your life, positioning you, shaping you, helping you because there's such phenomenal things he wants to do for you. But until you can get yourself in line with, with God's heart and character and mindset, he loves you too much to do that for you right now. 
He doesn't want you bending his fenders, you know. He wants you handling his blessing, you know, with, with wisdom. Someone said, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. You know, nearness really helps. Nearness changes everything. I'll say this because it was kind of an odd thing that happened to me. I, I woke up one morning having like an unbelievable stomach pains, like knives going in my stomach. And I mean, I could barely make it into the bathroom. And I'm like, something's got to happen. I don't know what, but something's got to give here because I'm dying. And then it's the craziest thing, y'all, because I, I, all I can say is it must be a, a kind of a nearness kind of a thing. All of a sudden, I said, thank you, Lord. Because it's been many, many years since you've let me experience any pain like this at all. I have been so blessed by you. I can't even remember the last time you let me hurt like this. And so I just want to say right now, thank you. And just now help me get through this so we can start over and I won't have any more pain for a long, long time. But I, I, I surprised myself when I said that because that really wasn't me. I'm much too selfish to say things like that. But, you know, nearness, it just does something. It, it does. It, it just does something. When you know that God is there with you, helping you, working in your life, it's a great thing. My last point. Don't say amen. Number three, the only way you will ever experience God's best is to listen to him. This is really important. I want you to know that God designed everything to force us into relationship. You know, the Bible says, I just thought of this, where two or three gather together in my name. I will be. He could, have, he could have said, I mean, isn't he with us always? You know, he never leaves us. But yet, he wants us in relationship. And so he said, if you really want the fullness of my presence, you better learn how to function in community. Because relationship is everything to God, and he wants that relationship primarily with us and him, of course. And that relationship comes through conversation. It's really hard to, to get close to somebody and not talk to them. You know what I'm saying. You can smile, you know, wink, wave. I mean, you do anything, but until you can talk, there's not going to be a connection. In the same way it is with the Lord, God has things he wants to say to us that we need to hear. And let me just say this whole thing about this... Um, when God wants to do something in your life, he's going to speak to you in a very uh, unique way. You can't copy someone else's faith. Um, that's what bothers me sometimes about books on how to get this from God. Because I'm so happy, and it's okay for a person to write a book and write a testimony. But when in that testimony, they try to tell you, now if you'll just do this. I got up at 5 o'clock, and I prayed for 30 minutes for 14 days, and my wayward son came to the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. 
That's what God said to them. They were obedient, and it happened. But that's probably not what God's saying to you or to somebody else, because you're you, and he wants to work in you, and he has something to say to you. We all have challenges. We all have difficulties that we're facing. God wants to lead us. Listen, you never drift into God's good plan, the good things. You never drift into those. You'll never educate yourself into God's best. Family, friends, I mean, Randy loves you. Megan loves you. Your mother loves you. But nobody knows what you need to do right now to get the answer you need to receive. And I promise you, God designed it that way. He wants you to go to Him. It's good to have prayer, but you know, the prayer should be, God, help me listen better. Because what God wants to do, He wants to be it personal so that it's yours. My oldest son just recently committed his life to the Lord. It's been pretty exciting. Lots of prayers. Seems like the more we prayed, the worse he got. But anyway, um, God in his sovereignty touched him, spoke to him, dealt with him. So in encouragement to maybe some of you, it can happen. And um, and my, my advice to him was, nobody knows your next step. And I really felt the Lord caution me, don't tell him, you need to stop doing this. This is bad for you, you know. And you need to start doing this because this is good for you. I, I, I wasn't allowed to do anything. All I could do was say, look, you need to start talking to the Lord and listening because he wants to lead you right now. And he's the only one that knows what you need to do. And the things he has told me that he's doing I would have never been brave enough to suggest those things, you know. It's just like amazing. I mean, Lynn and I both are just pinching ourselves, you know. Because God wants to lead you down the path he has for you. And it's going to be a good, there's good things in, in store for you. The difficulties are opportunities to draw near to God to hear his voice. In Matthew 4, 4, it says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the what? That proceeds from the mouth of God. He's talking about daily, daily sustenance. You know, you have to have bread every, you know, to live. And so as far as your daily sustenance, he's saying that you, you live, you and I, our life source, this is so important, y'all, our life source is what we hear the Lord say to us. That's your life source. That's what makes Christianity interesting. When you're not listening and you're just sort of following the rules, Christianity is boring. It's, it's, it's terrible. 
It's not the intent. Religion is of the devil. Anything that separates us from a personal connection, God doesn't have a list for you. He has a relationship he wants with you. And that relationship will be unique for you. It will be personal and powerful and will lead you into everything that God has for your life. I'm just saying it because it's true. Romans 10, 17. Faith. You know, faith is the currency of heaven. It's how you get things spiritually. Faith comes from what? Hearing and hearing by the word. The spoken, inspired word of God. Faith comes by... It's got to be the... It's, it, it's out of the relationship. It's out of the relationship that we have with God that you gain faith. It's out of your relationship today, home. You're sitting there, you're, you're maybe watching TV, but all, the, but all the time your spirit is open. And all of a sudden you hear that little nudge and, and the Lord says, hey, I want you to call somebody. And you just like get up and leave your favorite ball game and you go and you pick up the phone because I'm going to tell you something, that is life in the spirit and it is exciting. Because you find people saying, man, I can't believe you called. And it's the little things like that that makes it so much fun to know the Lord and walk with the Lord. God's voice is the only path from our limited, finite, broken world to his eternal and fully resourced kingdom. There's one path, and that is the voice of God. Because when he speaks, everything changes. When he speaks, everything changes. Everything that I've accomplished in my 50-something years of ministry, 60-something years of being a Christ follower, everything that's kind of still standing or was, you know, significant, everything came from me hearing the voice of the Lord. Everything. I imagine Randy could say the same thing. I was telling Randy lots the other day, Lynn and I were first married. Uh, I was building a house. I don't recommend, by the way, if you're first married to build a house. That's like, it's just a recipe for disaster, okay? And so we're building a house, extremely stressful, extremely stressful. And then at the very end, I had a construction loan that I didn't realize I had to pay. How do you pay off a construction loan before you get your mortgage? But anyway, that's the way it was set up. I had to pay off a construction loan that was due Monday. I'm at church Sunday. Lynn knows it's due. And so it's, it's an exciting time. And so... So I'm sitting there, and, and then all of a sudden, you get the little voice that says, hey, um, Philip, I want you to give, I want you to empty out your uh, checking account in the offering. Don't be impressed. I did not have that much money, okay? Okay? 
but it was all that I had. And so I, 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 well, I leaned over and I said, Lynn, I think the Lord wants us to give, <laughs> give away all of our money in this offering. And by then, I think she'd already given up hope. She said, why not, you know? Was, uh, nothing, what, what difference is it gonna make? And so, so I did. And I'm not saying that it works like this every time because it doesn't, but we were leaving and um, I was in the lobby headed to the car and a stranger walks up to me. And I, I, I got choked up telling Randy, <laughs> I not thought about this until we were together for so long. And she says to me, hey, I, uh, I was praying and I just got an inheritance. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to, to uh, give you the tithe off of this inheritance. And so here, guess how much it was? How much? 7,000 something, my construction loan. It was almost to the penny what my construction loan was. Now let me just say this. That's fun. But you have to be willing to listen and obey. That was hard. But God has something for us all the time. God wants to speak to us constantly. He wants to use us constantly. He wants our life to be an adventure in Him. You know, I was driving up to pastor the church in 1981. It's a little denominational church. And so as I was driving up in the U-Haul, I felt the Lord clearly speak to me. And I wasn't hearing a lot back then. And the Lord says, I'm sending you to Conway to pastor Christ Community Church. And I thought, no, that's not why I'm coming, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's, it's another church, and it's, that's not the name. And so, uh, and so I, get, I get there, and the next night I did not know a lot. I didn't know that the pastor had, was at odds with the denomination, I didn't know that the denomination was still angry at my dad for pulling out of that denomination. And so they called a special meeting, flew in a private plane to Conway, and held an executive meeting. And by the end of that meeting, I was not the pastor. And I remember Lynn came, Lynn was pulled in that night. It was cold night too, with the kids. And the rest of our furniture in the house. Big excitement. I get into bed, and Lynn said, how'd it go? It was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I said, honey, I don't have a job. And so a couple of days later, we met with everybody, and the people that had called me and said, you know, I don't think we really fit with them anymore. And I was like, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and they said, let's, well, let's just go ahead and start. And one of the guys says, well, what do you think we ought to call this thing? I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought I heard a voice on the way up. And, the, and this was like there were no community churches. You know, that became the rage after a while. But I mean, there were no, because it sounded Episcopalian to me, to be honest with you. Christ Community Church, you know, that wasn't what we called our churches back then. You know, it was like Shiloh Center and whatever. Mount, Mount Hebron. But anyway, so, so I said Christ Community Church. It's what I felt like the Lord saying. They all kind of scowled, you know. And, uh, and they said, well, if God said it, we better do it. And we did. I've just got, I've got so many stories. 
I'll tell you one. Can I tell you one more? Um, it was a friend of mine that helped me start the church had gone and started a church at the beach. And um, it didn't go down like I would have liked for it to have gone. In fact, there was a kind of a breach in the relationship. And there were some hard feelings. So, uh, I felt like God wanted to bring healing. We had meet, we're meeting, you know, and it was, it was a lot better. I mean, it was. But um, we were struggling. Our church was struggling at the time. And, and I just felt like the Lord said, I want you to give them your Easter offering. And so uh, I'm thinking, man, that's usually a pretty good offering. And uh, we were kind of, it was week to week, okay? I mean, it wasn't, we didn't have like a big savings account or anything like that. And so uh, I remember going into my uh, office manager and saying, look, I feel like we need to give this church our, our Easter offering. She said, what? And uh, I said, yeah, I just feel that way. She said, well, I hope you're hearing from God. And I said, well, I do too. She had a lot of faith in me. And uh so we, we started talking to the people, and people got excited about it, y'all. And instead of like the normal seven or 8,000 we would take in on a Sunday, it started climbing. You know, people started pledging, and it was like ridiculous, actually. You know, and like um, it got up to like 16,000. And, and then after Sunday, people were calling in, is it too late to I'm like, we have another Sunday coming up. You can just sort of put that one in, in, that, in that one, you know. Dear Lord. And so, I mean, I want to be a blessing, but come on. And uh, so anyway, we gave the check, and it was rough around the house. I'm telling you, it was rough. I mean, it was, it was not easy to make payroll or anything else. And then about three weeks later, a man walks into my office. He says, hey, I'm new in town. We just moved here. I hadn't been happy with the church I was in back in Virginia. I've been hanging on to my tithes. He said, we kind of like it here. It's okay, I want to give you the tithe. It was double. It was double what we gave. Anyway, I'll stop. I have a couple more good ones, but I'll stop. All right. Um, what works for me will not work for Randy. What works for you would, may not, it probably wouldn't work for me. Because what we do, and this is like, this is again how God designed it. God wants this to be personal. He wants to talk to you, show you what he wants you to do, so that when you do it, you see the incredible fruit and results so that it's yours. And it can never be taken away from you. Ever. Devil can't ever steal it because it's yours. You heard, you obeyed, God came through, and that belongs to you now. Randy can't give that to you. Nobody else can give that to you. Only God can give that to you. And he wants to do that. For each and every one of you that's under the sound of my voice right now, God wants to do that for you. I promise you. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe it's a wayward child. It might be, you know, the lack of resources. Maybe you got a son or daughter-in-law that's not raising up your grandkids like they ought to. Boy, that happens. Or maybe it is your mother-in-law. I don't know. But all I know is that 
God has something to say about it. Did you hear that? I don't know what you're going through, how bad, maybe some addiction. I just want you to know God has something to say about that. And when God speaks to you, I just want to go stand on that chair right now because I want you to hear this. When, when God speaks to you, everything changes. What seems to be hopeless, impossible, can change overnight. That's the power of God. That's the power that created everything you and I can see. That's that power, same power he wants to give you. I love this verse. This just gives you a taste of the power. Romans 4, 17. I'm about done, Randy. Um, this happened, Romans 4, 17. This happened because Abraham believed in God. This is such a great verse. Who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. That pretty much covers whatever it is you're going through. Well, my husband and I, we've, we've fallen out of love. It's just not there. That's not a problem. God can create new love out of nothing. He surely can. He can create new love. He can create a new hunger in your heart for spiritual things. He can break an attachment that you have with somebody in your life right now who's not good for you. But it's kind of like an addiction because you love how being with them makes you feel and you don't think you can help yourself. But the Lord says he can take that away completely if you're willing. All right. I had another story, but I'm going to tell it. Here's the obvious question. Are you willing to hear what God wants you to hear? And then are you willing to do what God wants you to do? Well, I'll tell this one last story. I had a neighbor from hell. He was, he was, he was mean. He cussed. He cussed at my children. Or any children, anybody that got near his fence, he cussed. Uh, he yelled at his wife, cussed at her. And so my kids were little. We had a dog, a golden retriever named Princess. She was like a bag of hair that just wanted to be petted. That's basically all she, that, that was her value, you know, just really no value at all, just something to pet. But she was smart because she was like a neighborhood dog, and she would, her goal was to convince all the neighbors that she loved them best of all, so they would feed her more. And it worked, too. She was fat. And so, uh, so Princess, of course, kept trying to win over the mean neighbor. And one day we were there, and I heard a shot. And Princess ran across the street, back into our yard, fell into my son's arms, and died. The idiot shot my dog. I remember being so angry that I was, I was vibrating. Ever been like that? 
And I started walking across the yard to my neighbor, praying, Lord, don't let me do anything that's going to scar my children who are watching me right now. Please help me. Because I wanted to take that rifle and I wanted to wrap it around his head. That was all I wanted to do. And I remember just walking up to him and I was just, I was, I was seething. And I said, what is your problem? Well, I didn't really mean to hit it. I said, okay. So I turned around and walked back. Well, my youngest son was there, and my youngest son uh, saw it, and uh, he said, I hate him. And I said, well, you're, you're going to have to forgive him, son. And, uh, and he says, I'll never forget him, forgive him for shooting my dog. Never. And so I prayed for him, and and sure enough, like a, a few days later, um, Lynn called me and said, let me tell you what happened. He said, uh, our son was on the front porch and the neighbor, his name was Elbert. I'm sure he's dead and gone now. And so El Elbert was coming to the mailbox and, and my son says, Elbert, Elbert, Elbert. And finally he stopped and looked up at him and he says, Elbert, I forgive you for shooting my dog. And so I thought, well, that's... Praise God, we passed the test. Everything's going to be good. <laughs> but what happened was, is I realized that, you know, how many of you know you can tell everybody else what to do? But then sometimes... And so I found myself, whenever I wasn't thinking about anything, I was thinking about how I could hurt him and not go to jail. I was thinking how I could burn his mobile home down. And nobody dies, but just, he just loses. I wanted him to feel a little bit of the pain that my children felt. And I, honestly, I, I would go to sleep. And before long, I was dreaming. You know, I was dressed in black like a ninja, sneaking around behind the house, doing something bad, you know. I wasn't trying to. I didn't, I didn't really want to think like that. It was like in my subconscious. I couldn't get rid of it. And so one day, and I'm just telling you, there's no shortcut. One day the Lord spoke. And you know what he said? I want you to take Elbert a ham. It was the holidays. And I said, great God, can I just throw it through the window, you know? <laughs> and so, so I got a ham. I went, you know how it is when God speaks, what are you going to do, you know? I wasn't excited about it, to be honest with you, but, you know, I've learned. And so I knocked on the door. He comes to the door, I said, here, I want to give you a ham. And he's standing there, and I don't even think he said thank you or whatever. I didn't wait around. But, but I remember, though, as I was walking back across the road, it was like a ton of bricks fell off of me. It was weird. All of a sudden, by the time I got to my, in my yard, I was completely set free. It was, it was the most miraculous, amazing thing. And the best part was, a week later, that lot was empty. He was gone. <laughs> God could have done that a long time ago, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he really could have. So here it is. Maybe you're here, you need a word from the Lord today. 
Maybe you're here, you're facing a difficult situation. You've tried everything you've known to do. You've apologized, you've done this or whatever, you know. You've tried to be, you know, you've put on your nice cap and worn it, but it's not, nothing's working. There's still pain, there's tension, maybe at work or, or whatever, maybe with a relative. I just want you to know something. God wants to speak to you today and he wants to help you. I don't want you to give up. I want you to be encouraged. And I don't know how you do things like this here, but I just want to take a moment, if you don't mind, because um, I can't really tell you what you need to do, but I can promise you this, I can pray for you, and I can believe God. So let's just bow our heads and, and respect the privacy of this moment. And you say, uh, Pastor Phil, I'm, I'm in it right now, and it's not easy, and I'm not sure what to do. I've done everything I've known to do, but I, I really want God to come through for me. And... Uh, and if, if that's your situation, I want you to raise your hand, and, and uh, I, I'm, just, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. Just slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, I thank you for the people here that love you so much. I thank you for the great plan that you have for their life. Pray, God, that you would speak, especially those that raise their hand. Lord, you know the pain that's represented by every hand, the challenge, the difficulty. But, God, you have something to say. You have something to say. And when you speak, everything changes. So, God, I pray a blessing on this church. I pray a blessing on this people. I pray a blessing on Randy and Megan. Would you carry this congregation to the future that you have planned long ago for them. In Jesus' name, and everyone said,